Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri, and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, what's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, is where we're going to be at this morning. I am so glad that you made the decision to get here. Um, I don't know what you did this weekend, but my wife and I, we had a little movie night Friday night, and we watched a movie on Netflix, and it just, it had me in a, in a place I hadn't been in a while, and it was, it was one of these, like, World War I uh, movies. I don't know if you've watched a World War I movie lately, but, uh, um, like, the that that war, man, it hit it hit different. And so, like this movie, it captured a lot of the just the brutal reality of that war, and um, and so it just had me really just thinking about how grateful I am for for the veterans that have fought and, and uh, that have served our country. And so, can we just just give if you, you know if you're a veteran, hear us clap. If you're a veteran, you can stand up. If you're a veteran, if you're a veteran, you can stand up. Every, yeah, every veteran stand up. Sorry, I didn't give you the chance to do that. Yes, praise God, praise God, thank you, thank you, great. Yes, thank you so much. All right. And our applause should go on and on and on for your, just your, your service to our country. So thank you for that. And uh, man, it just, again, it just, it just hit different for me this year. And I was just, I was faced with the reality of the risk that you guys are, are doing. And, and just thank you so much. Um, we are continuing a series called Irresistible. And Pastor Phil, he has been laying out these initiatives where our church is headed over the next couple of years. One of the things that he says, and I love this about our church and about our lead pastor, is that every starting line or every finish line is a starting line. And that God doesn't want us just to kind of coast and just kind of reach that place and think, okay, we've made it. But God wants us to say, God, where do you want to lead us next? And so we're kind of in that season. We've been laying out these different things that God is leading us to do. And one of the things that he's leading us to do is to cultivate what's called a peace ministry. And we're gonna talk about that some more today. Before we get there, um, I don't know how your household rolls, but me and my girls, um, we love avocados. I don't know if you're an avocado family, but I mean, we guacamole every day, amen? And so we're eating like at least two, two to four avocados a day. And I know y'all can tell by the, my skin and there's good fats in that. I don't know what that means exactly, but we eat a lot of them. And uh, I started thinking the other day, I said, you know what? We could save a lot of money if we could grow these things. And so I talked with a, a friend of mine. He's like, yeah, man, it's really easy. You just shave the seed and then you, you put it in a dark place for a few weeks and then it will start to sprout and you put it in some water with some toothpicks. So you can see I've got my little avocado plant. First of all, that is a Christmas tree, y'all, all right? We didn't set up, we set up for Christmas. We're that people, we're those people. All right. Anyway, but uh, you know, he, he said, yeah, it's real easy, you just grow it. And, um, and then so I was like, I sent him a picture. I was like, baby seed's doing good, you know? And, I've, we haven't named it yet, but anyway, and so I'm just, I told him, and, and, and him and I were talking, he's like, hey man, I've got some, I've got some discouraging news for you. I was like, what, what's going on? He's like, you know me, the avocado seed? I did some research, and he said, it takes five years for you to be able to, to reap a harvest. Five years! <laughs> and so I had a couple of responses that, you know, that I thought up in my mind. First of all, I don't have time for that, you know? Five years to grow my own avocado, I don't have time for that. I'm just gonna go to Costco and just stock up, right? Uh, another thought that came to mind is like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I, I can barely keep my kids alive. If my wife wasn't here, I don't know what would happen to them in the last five years, you know? And, um, and so like, I'm gonna probably kill this thing or, or I could commit to cultivate this little seed and to grow some avocado someday. And if I don't grow weary and if I don't faint, then I'll reap a harvest in due time. 
Now, the reason why I share that with you this morning is because when it comes to us following Jesus, Jesus says that his word is like a seed and that his followers are meant to plant his word on the soil that they're standing, the soil of society, the soil of their city, and to cultivate the kingdom of God where they are. And I think sometimes that, that you could begin to like do the work of God and, and it could be like, all right, I've started out on this ministry thing. I've started out on serving God. I'm planting the seed in the soil of society. Wherever I'm standing, I'm planting the word there. And then you'll have somebody come along and say, hey, I've got a newsflash for you. It takes time for that thing to grow. And it can be discouraging doing the work of God because nothing happens quick in the kingdom except for salvation. And that's God's work. But when we go to work, it's like, oh God, you're gonna, it's gonna take some time for us to grow the things that God wants us to grow. Now I think that there could be a few responses, just like with my avocado seed. We could just kind of be like, man, I ain't got time for that. You know, I'm gonna go buy a boat. I'm gonna go cheer on the chiefs. I ain't got time to serve the kingdom of God. And then others of us are like, man, that ain't for me. Like, I, like I, I don't think God can, I don't think I can keep the kingdom alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I can keep the work of God going because I'm gonna mess it up. I'm gonna fail. I, I don't, I, choose somebody else. Or we could make a commitment this morning that we're gonna be kingdom-minded people. We're gonna live on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ and we're gonna do the work that God has put before us to cultivate his word and his work into the soil of society where we're standing. And in due time, if we don't grow weary, we, we will reap a harvest if we faint not. If you take a note this morning, I've titled this message, Planting the Kingdom of God. Planting the Kingdom of God. And I want you to see the opportunity, the obstacles, and the outcomes of this work. God's people, they were living in a place called Babylon in the book of Jeremiah. They'd been deported uh, to Babylon, and it was kind of a tough time for them. But what's happening is that they were thinking, you know what, we're here for a little bit. We're just kind of visiting Babylon, but God's going to do something miraculous. You know, he's going to do it again, and we're going to get back to our hometown. And, and it'll just be a matter of, of weeks, maybe a year, but not very long. But God had other plans for his people. And so he sent Jeremiah, his prophet, or the person that spoke his word. And Jeremiah is helping God's people be focused on what they need to do where they are. And Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, this is key, he says, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Who caused them to be carried away? God says, oh, I did. Then he says, here's some things you need to do. He says, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat of their fruit. Plant some avocados. <laughs> anyway, he says, uh, take wives. And beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. And he says this, so that you may be increased there and not diminished. This is a key verse. He says, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you'll have peace. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. The opportunity, the opportunity. Listen, if we're gonna, if we're gonna plant the kingdom of God in society, you have to see it as like, this is amazing. We have this opportunity. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. We get to do this work. And Jeremiah is saying, hey, hey, I know that I, this is a struggle for his people. They don't wanna be there. Jeremiah's like, hey, hey, we're gonna focus on why God has us here. And he's trying to just really, really give them new perspective and say, hey, can y'all see the opportunity? I know that God has brought us here in some, in some unforeseen and unfortunate ways, but, but can you see the opportunity? Here we are as God's people planted in this foreign place and we can go make a difference. See, they thought they were gonna go back to their homes and so many of them were just kind of sitting on their blessed assurance in the sweet by and by. 
and they weren't doing anything for the mission of God. And so Jeremiah says, it's time to get to work. God has allowed you to be here. That Jeremiah was teaching them this profound truth that God does not make mistakes. All right, that was, that was lame, y'all. That was like, I like threw it up there like, and, and like this is where y'all say amen or yeah, or just moo at me, just mmm, okay? All right, let's run that back. Jeremiah was helping them see this profound truth that God does not make mistakes. Good, there you go, all right, good. See, God is sovereign, so what that means is that he has you right where you are. He has you living in the neighborhood that you're living in, in the city that you're living in, so that you can do his divine purpose. Acts chapter 17 says this, that God has sovereignly placed people in particular places, in particular times, so that they can connect people who don't know God to God. That's, the, that's like the big goal that we all are living for, to see lives changed by Jesus. That's not an abundant life thing. That's a kingdom of God thing, church. And so Jeremiah said, hey, can you see the opportunity? God has you here for such a time as this. He's like, you gotta see that God wants you to do some things here. What an opportunity. And they're thinking, okay, well, if God brought us here and and we're gonna seize this opportunity, what exactly should we do? So Jeremiah goes on to give them a picture of how they should live in the city. He rattles off five things. You gotta build houses, plant gardens, build families, seek the peace and pray. Let's talk about those real quick. Here, Here are some things that you need to do in the city. Five things that you need to do in the city or just think where you're at. The first thing is you need to build, build houses, he says. You need to build houses. You need to go all in. You need to sign the contract. You need to buy the house. I was talking with a guy the other day and, and he was asking, what is Abundant Life doing to help minister to the people in the city? And uh, he was, he's new to Abundant Life. And if you're new to Abundant Life, maybe you've asked that question because this guy, he lives in the crossroads of Kansas City and he was asking, you know, what's the church, is, what, what's the church doing to help serve and help be a present in the city? I said, well, we're doing a lot of things. And I laid out some things. I said, but maybe the most profound thing is that we bought a house in the city, so to speak. I said, we're starting a campus in the crossroads of Kansas City. He didn't know this. And I said, man, we, instead of just kind of visiting and kind of drive-by blessing in the city, we moved into the neighborhood. We bought a plumbing warehouse. We're turning get into a church house where they used to sell plumbing parts. We're going to be singing praises. Praise God. And we're moving into the city. Amen. Because if you want to make a difference, you got to stay a while. He says, you got to plant gardens. That's the second thing. Plant gardens. This is at least a five-year commitment to grow some avocados, right? Plant some gardens. You know, he's saying you need to cultivate the ground. The next thing he says is build families. Build families. One of the initiatives we have in this irresistible season is that we want to build families that win at discipleship. God calls us to train up our children in the way that they should go, to be diligent in teaching them the word of God. I've read these verses, then I became a father, and I was like, where do you start? How do you do this thing, you know? I need help, you know? And, and maybe you're here and, and you're in the same season. You're like, man, I, I didn't grow up in a spiritual household. How do I do this thing? And so we're putting together some resources to help set families up for success so that you can build families, so that you can flourish spiritually and not be diminished. The, ne- the next thing that he says that we need to do in the city is that we need to seek peace. Seek peace. I just wanna stop here for a minute because when the audience would have heard this, they would have been like, what are you asking of us, Jeremiah? Because to seek peace, what that meant in their context, peace wasn't just like a, you know, peace. It wasn't just one of those things. It was, a, it was this loaded word that literally meant like the seek the kingdom of heaven here. Uh, it's this word shalom. Maybe you've heard the word before. And shalom to the audience, that when they would have heard that, they would have thought wholeness in every aspect of their life 
wholeness psychologically, wholeness emotionally, wholeness financially, wholeness spiritually. And so Jeremiah's saying, you need to seek the peace of the city. You need to help the city look more like heaven. That Jeremiah is calling them to do this thing. And so this is one of those things that when you see it in the scripture, I think sometimes we'll read the Bible and we'll be like, that's nice. That's a, that's a nice thing. We, that's nice for some other people. But guys, if we're, if we're kingdom citizens, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, when we read the Bible, we say, okay, let's go. If God's word says it, that settles it, we need to do it, right? And so we as a church are thinking, man, how are we seeking the peace of the city? And so one of our initiatives in this irresistible season is that we wanna put the, the love of God on display in an irresistible way by seeking peace in the city. And so we have an initiative called the Peace Ministry. You can go to livingproof.co slash peace to get more information about what that means. But let me just kind of give you three things that you're gonna see on that website. First of all, here's what the Peace Ministry is trying to do. The Peace Ministry is trying to create multicultural opportunities so that we can rub shoulders with people that aren't like us. Heaven won't be white. Heaven won't be black. Heaven won't be yellow. Hello, heaven won't be red. Heaven will be like a bag of Skittles, y'all. It's gonna be multicultural. And so we wanna help make those connections. We wanna create those opportunities. The second thing that the peace ministry wants to do is that we wanna connect with the least of these. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, when you serve the least of these, it's like you're serving me. And the last thing that the peace ministry is wanting to do kind of in a broad scale is that we wanna celebrate God's power being on displayed in a dynamic way. Revelation 7 gives us this picture that in heaven, we're all gonna gather in the downtown of heaven and we're gonna be singing songs and we're gonna be celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every color. Everybody is gonna be represented there. Why not start that now? We ain't gotta wait for that to begin to practice that today. And we have an opportunity for God to do some amazing things. But the question is, what piece of seeking peace are you gonna own? This is more than an idea, it's a way. What piece of seeking peace are you gonna own? I think sometimes when, um, when I've been asked questions like, you know, what is God's call on your life? life. You know, I'm like, what, like God's call, like what is his call on my life? And, I, and like I, that just kind of intimidates me from time to time. And like when you start thinking, God, what do you want me to do? What part do you want me to play? How do I know what's God's call in my life? How do I know where to start, what to do? I don't know if you've ever asked that. If somebody said, what's God's call in your life? You're like, I don't know. I didn't know God had a call in my life. Let me just be real clear. God has a call on your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a call. That Romans 11, 29 says that the calling and the gift of God is irrevocable. That you cannot shake it. You can't brush off the call that God has on your life. And so first of all, you gotta understand that God has called you. The calling of God is not just for special people. There's not varsity Christianity and then everybody else, all right? If you're in Christ, you made the team, all right? And God has called you to do some things, amen. He's called you to do some things. And so let me just settle that, you have been called. And so here's what you need to do to discover how you, or here's what you do to figure out what, what to do. Here's what you do to figure out what, what am I called to. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta discover the call. You gotta discover it. Start praying, God, what have you called me to do? What have you called me to do? I think sometimes we think that God's just gonna reveal what he's called us to do like in a bowl of Cheerios. Like one day we're gonna be eating the Cheerios and like they're gonna move around and it's gonna say, crossroads, you know? <laughs> Typically God doesn't speak that way, okay? 
If you're looking for God's call in your Cheerios, it's gonna sound like, oh. I'm sorry, I'm, I, yeah, I'm sorry, yep. sorry, back, yeah, don't clap for that, don't clap, that's bad. All right, back here, back here, back here. Listen, God has called you to seek the peace of the city in some way. And I think there's this tendency when we start hearing about the needs, like, I've gotta do it all, I've gotta do it all, I can't do it all. Listen, you can care for everything, but you shouldn't carry everything. When you hear about all the ministries that are going on at Abundant Life, just Abundant Life, you're like, wow, that's a lot, you know? And listen, not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it, but something does. God has a call on your life and we have to discover it. We have to pray, God, would you show me what you called me to do? And then you bet the farm on it. The second thing that you do once you're in that discovery phase is that you start to develop God's call in your life. You develop it, you, you begin to do some things that are gonna help you get the tools you need to be successful at God's call in your life. There's this thing called Live Sent Class. Live Sent Class is like the entry door to the peace ministry. And so if you're wanting to get involved in the peace ministry, sign up for Live Sent Class. And man, that is one of the greatest gifts that you could give your faith is to go through the Live Sent Class. And you're gonna begin to develop some of the tools so that you can exercise God's call in your life. And then the next thing that you've gotta do is that you've gotta eventually go. <laughs> you gotta put some feet on the ground and start running towards the mission that God has for you. And you've got to be deployed. This Sunday is a Live Sent Sunday. What that means is that we have uh, seen people go through the Live Sent class, and then it's all come to this week where they've done some different projects out in the city, six different projects, over 100 Abundant Life people, serving over 400 people, and we are celebrating what God has done through this week of ministry. But man, there's so much more to be done. And we want you guys to continue the work of seeking peace in the city. How will you seek peace in the city? We've got to build houses, plant gardens, build families, seek peace. And the fifth thing that we need to do in the city is we need to pray. And again, when I say city, just think where you're at. While you're here, the soil that you're standing on, you need to pray. And Jeremiah tells them, you need to pray specifically for peace in this place. And you're praying because ultimately the thing that we all desperately need, we can't provide. <laughs> the thing that we all desperately need is a fresh move of God Almighty. The word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians that we, we can plant the seed, we can water the seed, uh, we, can, we can put the seed in the right type of sunlight, but we can't make the seed grow. Only God brings the growth. And so we, we work like it all depends on us, and then we pray as if it all depends on God. And this is the opportunity that God has provided for us. I don't know if you can see the opportunity where you're at, where God has positioned you. Have you put on the lens of the kingdom of God and the mission of God in your neighborhood and said, man, God has positioned me here for such a time as this. Have you put on the lens to see the mission of God and the opportunity that we have as a church body? It's an incredible time to be a part of abundant life. It's an incredible time to be alive in America, that God has allowed the cities in America to grow, the cities in the world to grow. God is bringing the nations to Kansas City, God is bringing the nations to all different cities all over the world, and God has positioned us as a church to be ready to go meet needs in the city and to go share the gospel in the city. Can you see the opportunity? We're not just kind of buying our time right now. God has got us locked and loaded and ready to go shoot peace on everybody, right? So that we can be a blessing, so that we can be on mission so that we can go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. What an incredible opportunity.
Now, with any opportunity, there's gonna be opposition. Anytime you try to start going in motion, there's gonna be friction. And so Jeremiah, he warns the people that there's gonna be some obstacles that you're gonna face. Here's what he says in verse eight. He says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are in, the, in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they, fa- they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, the obstacles, the obstacles. Jeremiah, he's warning them to not compromise nor conform to the world. Don't compromise the truth and don't conform to the world. And as we seek to plant the kingdom of God in the soil of society, we've gotta be careful because there's other narratives going on. Like one of the narratives that I I hear a lot is that we really don't need to go seek peace anywhere because we're not at odds with God because the Bible, the standards changed. And we're living in a day that's pluralistic and relative. And so the Bible isn't really what it used to be. And, and God really, he's changed some things. And so, and so people will open this book and say, man, it's just all about love. We don't need to hold people to the truth. But listen, God's word has not changed. Amen. All right? And we're gonna preach God's word. We don't compromise his truth. That God's word is still true and his word still leads us to the hope in the world. The other side says this, well, we should just kind of bunker down and we should just kind of, it's doom and gloom and like God's judging them and we don't need to go out to them. We just need to kind of, and and we just need to kind of bunker in and just kind of get our little Christian compound and, and listen, that's not true either. God has called us to stand firmly on the truth, but still go seek the peace in the city. That these are some narratives that we're struggling with in our day and age. Jeremiah, he goes on and he reminds his people in verse 10, he says this, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. He's saying, settle in the city, but remember you were made for a different city. Jeremiah is saying, be in the city, but not of the city. That there's a tendency to compromise the truth and then conform to the world. And as we go and we try to seek the peace of whatever place God has us planted, then it's gonna be this tendency to kind of wanna blend in. And when the church tries to blend in, we lose our impact. When we try to be cool and relevant, then we cease to be relevant. I'm in a weird phase of my life. Um, I'm in my late 30s. And um, if you're in your late 30s, like you know what I'm talking about. Um, Like like if you try to be cool in your late 30s, like that ain't cool, but you still got a little drip. You know what I'm saying? Like you still got a little bit, right? Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. Like like when it comes to fashion trends, like when when I see the new trends, I'm like, I ain't, I don't know, man, that ain't me, you know? And, uh, but I could try, you know, I could put on the dad jeans if that's a thing, I don't even know what, I don't even know what to call stuff, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show my age. Anyway, so here's the deal. If I try to be cool and I lose who I am and I'm trying to be relevant, then I will cease to be relevant and it'll just be weird for everybody, you know? And the reason why I share that is because when the church tries to be cool and be relevant and we forget our distinctiveness, we lose our impact. Jesus called us the the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that we are called to be something that is set apart, to be different. We don't do things like the world does. And Jeremiah is saying, you be in the city, but remember, you're not of the city. This, a couple weeks ago, we got to do a, a little ride along with Pastor Phil. And Pastor Phil was taking us down in parts of the city where he used to patrol. And like, Man, one of the things I love about Pastor Phil is that, uh, that he was living out his faith before he was ever a pastor. And so he took us down memory lane and he captured some stories of how God used him in years past. I want y'all to check this out. 
I have so, so many memories of driving these streets back when I used to patrol as a member of the KCPD. So much has changed in our city of Kansas City, downtown, crossroads. Uh, so many people are living here now, tens of thousands. I mean, new apartments going up everywhere. And I remember back in the 90s, like downtown was a ghost town. I mean, there was nothing there after hours. Crossroads, wouldn't have dreamed of putting a church in the crossroads. Nobody was really living here. But now there's so much changed uh, from those days back in the 90s when I drove these streets. Uh, so many people now live here that didn't live here before. That's why we're going here. We're going where the people are, the people that need the gospel, that need Jesus. But you know, for all that has changed and so much positive has changed, there's still some things that are exactly the same. The need for the gospel is exactly the same. The human condition hasn't changed. Uh, the poverty that is in part of our city, the homelessness that's in part of our city, um, the crime, the fatherlessness in many cases, uh, these are things the gospel speaks into. And we're coming here for one reason, to put the gospel on display in a tangible way, attempting what feels like an impossible thing, to make the gospel irresistible in the heart of our city, Crossroads. So it was right here, actually. I have so many memories that really connect not just the past, but also to the future. I was working off duty here at the haunted houses one night, making a little extra money uh, sometime in the late 1990s. And of course, the haunted houses down here in the West Bottoms of Kansas City get all kinds of uh, visitors. There was hundreds of people here that particular night working off duty right here. The edge of hell is what it's named. This is it right here. And there's hundreds of people lining the street. And me and my partner just standing here. That's what we're supposed to do when we're working off duty. And all of a sudden, a guy rolls up with a 13-foot cross he's dragging behind him. He's a street preacher, and he starts screaming at the crowd. He's screaming at him, you're all going to hell, you're all going to hell, you're all worshiping Satan, this place is serving demons, and yada, 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 yada. Which, you know, the good news is we have free speech in America, but it does have its limits. When it begins uh, affecting somebody's business and the patrons begin to walk away, well, the business owner of this place was like, hey guys, please do something about him. People are leaving. And uh, that's when we step in to try to defuse the guy. And he gets belligerent. I mean, he's angry. This man that's supposed to be representing Jesus, he gets so belligerent. Uh, he actually assaults my partner. We have to hook him up, take him to jail. And I remember trying to defuse the situation ahead of time. I said, guys, look, 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 look. I'm one of you. I told him, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to defuse this thing, talking very quietly. I'm a Christian too, like we're on the same side. I actually pulled out a little pocket Bible that I always kept in my left front pocket back when I was an officer. I showed him this New Testament. I said, hey man, I'm one of you. Like I appreciate what you're trying to do, but this is not how you can do it. He starts screaming, yelling at me. He's yelling at everybody. I'm telling you this story because this is not what we're gonna do to reach the city. Uh, we're not gonna scream at people and call them names and tell them that they're all going to hell. No, what we're gonna do instead is put the gospel on display in an irresistible way. 
We're here to tell people that God loves them, not simply that God hates them and that they're all going to hell. And that happened right here on the edge of hell, the haunted house, a memory I will never forget. You know, people respond much more to the love of God. In fact, Romans chapter two tells us it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. We are here to show people that God is for them, not against them, that God has a plan for them to redeem them. You know, Jesus said in John 3, 16 and 17, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. You, you see, God came and sent the son of God, not for our condemnation, but for our salvation. That's the message of the church. So people would ask sometimes why I wanted to be a cop. Well, there were several reasons. And one of the main reasons is I really did want to help people. I really did want to make a difference. And uh, I think I did for those years. But I also realized the real difference maker is not a short-term fix, but a long-term change. And that only comes with the gospel. So even as a cop, like I'd share Jesus with people and sometimes the strangest places and places you would never expect. It was at the Liberty Memorial one night. I'm driving past right now, I will never forget. I made a call, somebody had gotten beat up really bad and robbed. Turns out it was a male prostitute. The Liberty Memorial was where a lot of male prostitution would happen late at night. And so this young man was in fact a male prostitute and he'd been beaten up, been robbed. Put him in my police car, giving him a ride home. I started to share the gospel with him. And as I did, he began to weep, just tears rolling down his face. Began to weep and cry and sob and said, I hate myself. He's loathing himself. I began to share the love of God with him. Even invited him to come to church. I never saw him again after that night, but I think about him to this day. amazing how much has changed. This is my first beat as a young officer. I work midnight to eight, center zone, 30 sector. Uh, Main Street was right in the heart of my sector, 30 sector. It's also the heart of prostitution back in those days. I don't know if it is today. It's probably not like it was. There's so much commerce here now. So much has changed. So much businesses have moved into the area. But I will never forget Christmas night, sometime in the early 90s, I had actually befriended a prostitute that worked this corner right here about 35th and Main. When I say befriended, uh, you developed a relationship with people on the street. Um, and there was a rapport there, there was a trust between us and she knew that I cared for. You know, mo no prostitute ever dreamed they would ever be one. They're somebody's little girl somebody's daughter uh, and the little girl thinks I want to be a prostitute when I grow up well here she was she would sometimes say officer Hopper what choice do I have where would I go and one night I made a call it was Christmas and she'd been shot through the throat and we're waiting for the ambulance to get to her 
And uh, I'd shared the gospel with her before, and that particular night, she prayed and accepted Jesus as we were waiting for the ambulance to get to her. And honestly, she left that night in the ambulance, and I thought she probably had died. But I saw her a few weeks later, and she was still on the street, but she had a smile on her face. (laughs) She said, Officer Hopper, I didn't die. Not only that, I have Jesus now. And I got transferred shortly thereafter. I never saw her again, but I pray this day I'll see her in heaven someday. You see, that's, that is the power of the gospel. You know, a lot of churches in the suburbs, they want to minister to the city, but we're a church from the suburbs that actually is moving to the city because we want to make a permanent gospel presence in the heart of our city where the need is the greatest and where the need is the hardest because the gospel attempts impossible things. And that's why we've called this impossible campaign because Jesus said with God, all things are possible. And we'll believe the gospel is powerful to change the heart of our city and even connect with people like Mercedes in the crossroads that is going to cross their life and intersect it with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most popular Bible verses of all time is actually in Jeremiah chapter 29. And this is the context that we've been studying this morning. I just want to read that verse to you real quick. And here's what it says. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes this morning, you write this down, the outcomes. The outcomes. That Jeremiah, he's telling them, hey man, y'all seize the opportunity to plant your life into the soil that you're standing. You overcome the obstacles of of conforming to the world and, and compromising the truth, and you'll see the outcomes of lives changed by God Almighty. That he will be found. And that's the goal that we would see lives changed by Jesus and that Jesus would change our life in the process as we seek peace for the city. I want to invite you just to bow your head and to close your eyes wherever you are. I just want to ask you one question and give you two, two charges. One question is this, do you have peace? Do you have the peace of God? If you were to die today, are you at peace that you would spend forever with him? If so, then how are you seeking that peace for other people? What's your call? And if no, if you'd say, no, I don't have that peace, you can have that today. The peace of God is available. The way that you appropriate that peace is that you admit that you're a sinner that you need peace, that you're at odds with God spiritually. And that you believe that Jesus loved you so much that he sought peace and reconciliation with you by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. And that you confess him as the Lord of your life. And in doing so, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it'll guard your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. 
God, I thank you for these men and women. I pray that you'd help us to be people of peace. For those that don't know you, I pray that they would have clarity as a result of coming and studying your word today. And for those of us that do know you, God, I pray that we would have clarity and courage to go seek the peace of the soil that we're standing on, to go sow the word of God and the kingdom of God in the soil of society. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.